Hello, welcome to the Everything Is Black and White podcast live on Chronicle NFC Facebook, YouTube, and Twitter. As you can see, I'm joined by Chief Sports Writer Lee Ryder. And the season may be over, but it's been a busy few weeks for Lee. He's been covering the warm-up games for England ahead of the Euros, and we'll get onto the Euros at the end of the show to get Lee's analysis on what he watched and his prediction on what's to come. But with Newcastle, Lee, there's still plenty to talk about as well. Uh, before we dive into the takeover and transfer rumours, uh, the season's been over for a couple of weeks. Just want to get your your final reflections, really, on that campaign and uh, you know how you rated the job of Steve Bruce, really. Well, in the end, you know it was it was be- a better position than than many thought uh, after that Brighton game. You know, you didn't really think there was any other option but to, to change manager, and I, I wasn't the the only one to say that. I think it was pretty much the the general consensus on Tyneside. Fair play, Steve Bruce. You know, whatever he said to the players um, worked. I mean, a lot, along for me, I, I would think he said something along the lines of whatever happens to me, happens to me, but you guys are the ones who are going to have the relegation on on, on your CV, uh, which which obviously don't, don't want. So maybe there was a bit of um, psychology there for, from Steve Bruce, but whatever he said, it worked. Obviously, Graham Jones come in at the second half of the season, and Newcastle's uh, results, you know, were were good. Um, you know, you can't say they kind of improved because the first half of the season was also quite solid. But yeah, the season can be broken down into three bits. Really, the the start was okay, relatively solid. They were in the middle of the table. The middle was horrendous, and then the end was. You know, it was quite impressive, really. We're picking up points at places like Anfield and getting wins over West Ham, um, who were going for Europe and, you know, winning at Leicester, who had a tremendous season. So, yeah, it was a, a strange season, but you can break it down to those three parts, I would say. I was just trying to get your thoughts on Alan St. Maxman. Obviously, he came back and, you know, injected that pace and chucked her into the side and played a key role in helping Newcastle towards safety. And he's come out in the press, several uh, interviews he's held, mainly with some press on the on the continent, uh, as well as like talk sport and what have you. And the message has been quite clear in many ways. He's he, he's clearly said, uh, I'm paraphrasing, but he's he, you know he's hinted that his ambition is more than just to survive in a club. He wants to see them do more than just uh, you know keep their Premier League status. It's it's I've been quite impressed with his honesty and I think we all agree that's exactly what we want for Newcastle what's your take on what he's had to say I think he's been quite a straight talker really that's the the, the top and bottom of it uh, every player is going to come out with statements at this 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 time of year but the reality is for St Maximin he's, he's Newcastle's best player and you know when, when he when he makes that statement that Newcastle need to improve um, and need to get away from being the sort of perennial relegation scrappers and, you know, start looking to the top 10, then really someone at the club needs to, to hear that and, and needs to listen to it um, because then you lose your you lose your best players and then when other players see the star man leaving, it it becomes increasingly difficult to, to hold on. Newcastle have got a reasonably good 11 when everyone's fit. Uh, they just really need to add two or three additions to it and now they're going into this window with a limited budget they're going into it um without joe willick as it stands uh because he's obviously gone back to arsenal 
Uh, it's obviously a player that, uh, you know, Steve Bruce would love to have on board on a permanent basis. I don't know if that's going to happen because of the, the price, you know, could be too high. If they can get him back on loan, I think they've done tremendously well. Uh, he's going to be hard to replace um, because the other midfielders are they're very similar to each other, whereas Willock is the one that, you know, does break in the box and get you a goal. Whether he can keep that form up if he did return on loan uh, would be something else. But it's a great platform platform for him to kick on. But ultimately, uh, good players cost money and uh, Newcastle go in this window with, as I say, that limited budget. Do you think, um, is it a case in that budget that it's, do you think it's a set budget or if the right player comes along to so say Willick, for instance, and they say, I don't know, I'm just picking out a price, 25 million, what have you, then Mike Ashley might might sanction that move outside of the the reported budget that's been touted about? I, I honestly believe that, you know, we obviously the window closes on August 31st. Everybody at Newcastle United will know where they stand by possibly mid-August if the arbitration is decided uh, by then. Who knows? Mike Ashley could then, you know, dip into his pocket and, um, you know, produce something. I know it's a bit. Of, it's actually turning into a cliche that Ashley doesn't spend money, but you know, the last couple of windows they have they have bought at least, you know, that obviously Joe Linton come in, he didn't. He hasn't been a, the great success that they wanted him to be. But they spent forty million on him. Uh, they spent money on Saint Maximin, sixteen or seventeen million on 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 him. Um, and then obviously last summer they bought Wilson and they bought Jamal Lewis. So they have spent some money. It's it's not quite. You'd be being uh, disingenuous if you said Newcastle don't spend any money at all. And then obviously that at the moment the takeover talks flying around and everyone's saying oh it's because of season ticket sales well it's it's not really it's because there's two court cases uh coming up very quickly so um yeah we are in that that we're in that kind of period really in june where it's silly season and uh there's lots of uh you know transfer talk and clubs aren't quite ready to strike yet. I think once one big deal gets made, it'll have a knock-on effect uh, around football, not perhaps not at, at Newcastle, and then uh, people will know exactly where, where they stand. But from what I'm told, it's it's, it's only really the top six, ironically, uh, who, who've got money to spend, haven't been fined uh, big bucks yesterday. Mm. Just final question on Willie. Would you, if you're Steve Bruce Lee, Charlie, would you just hold out and hold out to as late as possible in the hope that a deal is doable, whether it be on loan or permanent transfer? Or would you say, you know, second week of July, right, that's the deadline. We can't get him in. We're going to have to go elsewhere because as you've mentioned, as a few people in the comments have mentioned, you know, Willick is is absolutely crucial to this Newcastle United side. And if they can't get him and they don't have a replacement come transfer deadline day, then Newcastle are going to be pretty much stuck, especially without his goals and his, speed his work ethic you know he's someone of his ilk will need to come in well you would like to think so but that that is the sort of deal where you you think um other clubs are going to be are going to be keen you know and if someone comes in with a 35 million bid then he ain't going to come to newcastle so 
it's this is where you need your club operating uh, properly. And at the minute, we're kind of just sitting and waiting to see what happens with the takeover, and and that that could damage Newcastle in the short term because other teams could jump ahead of them in the queue for for certain players. But uh, but yeah, I would be very interested to see what the philosophy is from within at the moment. Mm. And uh, you wrote earlier this week that Steve Bruce has been given the, the green light. Um, so do you think the, I mean there must be plans in place, and he must have some targets in mind that he wants to he wants to move on? Yeah, I think they, that you know they've, they've obviously looked at certain players um, throughout the second half of last season. Steve Nixon was was in and around <laughs> Premier League grounds and grounds in Europe, so they've obviously got an idea who they would like to bring in. Um, it's it's how far they can stretch those resources, and um, you just don't know what's going to happen because if they do get a sensational bid for say Maximum, then um, that could uh, it, it could it could change a lot as as we know. But uh, hopefully that doesn't happen. And um, if Newcastle have made two or three signings by the end of August and they've held on to say Maximum, then you would think that that's been probably one of the better windows given the circumstances just read a few of the names <coughs> that have been uh, linked we've got uh, Christopher Asia from Celtic the central defender and um, we've had Jethro Willems he's made no secret that he would like to come back and Josh King as well I mean they're probably the three most realistic names that have been thrown into the mix what's your your take on 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 those three um yeah well with with Asia I think um he his agent is is touting him with a lot of clubs, so he's obviously trying to maximise the summer window to see see what he can get. Um, with Josh King, I mean it's a it's a player Newcastle have looked at before. He he is available, and it, it would be a quick deal to do. But I suppose it would depend on on what happens with uh, Andy Carroll, uh, because obviously they've got they would have four strikers in. Joe Linton, Wilson, Gale, and Carroll, and you would you would think a fifth would possibly be a bit top heavy. You don't know, so <clears throat> there's lots of um, lots of other names floating around them, I and I'm sure they've got a, a long list. But uh, yeah, we'll we'll see what happens because you know Newcastle aren't the only option out there for players. That's that's the reality of it. They, they're not throwing money at people. And they can't offer European football, so there, there will be other offers for players out there. So it's a, it's a very interesting one. Thank you for tuning in to the Everything is Black and White podcast. We'll get back to the show in just a moment. We just urge you guys to please subscribe to the podcast through whichever platform you use. Totally free to do. just means every time we upload a new episode to our channel, you'll get a notification saying we've done just that. And you can listen to it straight away. And if you get the chance to leave us a review as well, that would be much appreciated. That really does help us out. You can also follow Chronicle Live's new Cash United channels over on social media. We're at Chronicle NUFC on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. And you can email us here at the show with your feedback, your comments, your questions, whatever. Just drop us a line at the EIBW podcast at reachplc.com. And you can also stick a date with everything to do with the club by subscribing to our daily Newcastle United newsletter. That's also free. And you'll get a morning news roundup, an evening news roundup, 
and a breaking news alert as well. And that'll get emailed directly to your inbox. The link for that is in the show notes. Hit that, scroll down to sport-newcastle-united, tick the box and you'll all be signed up. Once again, thank you for listening and we'll now get back to the show. Just on Andy Carroll, you brought the news earlier in the week that he's had, he's got a, an extension on the on the table, but he's obviously he's gone off on holiday and he's he'll be considering what to do. I think his experience is key. You know, people have talked about you know his influence in the dressing room. He's clearly a great character to have around. But in terms of on the pitch, Lee, I mean, I, I, I'm not. I wouldn't be a fan of seen him sign a year deal because I think Newcastle need to look to move forward and I get the whole budget and the pandemic and what have you and you know it's not going to be that easy but I'm just thinking in terms of bringing someone in who can match Callum Wilson I'm not in my opinion I don't think Carroll's the person to do that uh, what, what's your view on that potential extension I mean for me it would be a deal I would do because I get what you're saying someone who can match Callum Wilson but Callum Wilson wasn't wasn't always fit last season. He had injury problems himself. And if you have got someone who is the the exact same type of player who who's obviously going to be looking to start every single week, then you know it could it could get tricky. So you have to you have to sort of build your squad that you are going to have players who accept they're not going to they're not going to start every week. And I think Andy Carroll has reached an age where he accepts you know. That he won't start every week. There is obviously in the past, there's been question marks over his fitness, but I don't think he can level that at him in his two seasons at Newcastle. I mean, I think he was hugely helped by the lockdown where he had three, three full months to to rest and recover and get over all the little niggles he had. But I think last season he was available for 35 out of 38 squads. And if you've got him available, then I definitely think uh you give him a chance. I mean, I've, I've seen a lot of people since that story sort of come out was basically they are throwing the fact oh you only got one goal last season well yeah i get that but i, I don't think he's what a player that is going to be judged on goals because he's certainly someone you can in certain games you can throw him on for the last 20 minutes and he's going to give you more than a, an aerial threat at one end he's going to be probably your best defensive player when when things are flying in the box you know he's he's going to give you about four or five clearances in that in that time. So I, I think because he's so unique and because he knows the club and he is a good dressing room influencer, uh, I think he's worth worth keeping for the for the money that we're talking about per week. Um, you know it's it's a far cry from his heyday, uh, but at the end of the day, this is Andy Carroll now going into those final years, final year or two of his career, and it'd be good for him if he can finish it at Newcastle. And, you know, let's be honest, last season was was tough for everyone, no crowds. He did get a goal. I'm sure he would rise to the occasion if a uh, full house in front of Newcastle fans. And he's the type of player that could come off the bench and, and make an impact. Let us know in the comments, guys, if you would like to see Carroll stop an extra year. And just quickly, Lee, on, on Dwight Gale, he's expected to to sign some sort of new deal as well. Um, again, it, it's been offered. He hasn't, uh, or there's been no confirmation, at least, of it. Um, do you think he's, he will sign? And, and what does the future hold for him? Because, again, he's another one that hasn't really featured all that much. And yet, you know, he has got that pedigree. But it's whether he is going to be happy sitting on the bench, I guess, you know, trying to 
to oust Callum Wilson from the first team. Yeah, and he didn't get too many opportunities towards the end of last season. Um, I mean, there was a couple of games where he come in and he was probably a little bit um, lacking sharpness and he missed a couple of chances. So that was tough for him. Um, but yeah, there's a contract there, I think, if he wants to sign it. So, I mean, the alter- look, the alternative with both. I mean, you mentioned Carroll. You mentioned Dwight Gale. If they don't stay... You're talking about thirty or forty million to sign two other strikers. That's thirty or forty million that you know I'm told Newcastle don't have that. They haven't got it because they've got a limited budget. So it's all right saying don't give them the deals, but then what? What is the alternative? Because they haven't got anyone coming through the ranks who can walk into the first team at the moment. Obviously, you've got Elliot Anderson, who's you know been in and around it, but he's not a natural striker, and he probably needs to go out on loan. Let's be totally honest. So. It's 30 or 40 million Newcastle don't have to spend. So th- these are viable alternatives for them at, at this stage in the, in the club's history book. A few that might be sold to maybe, you know, uh, put money into the transfer kitty. You're looking at the likes of, of Muto, uh, Lejeune's been linked with an exit. Do you think those two, are, or is anyone else, do you think at risk it may be being sold this summer to help boost their coffers? Well, I would say Muto's almost certainly one that they'll look to to move on um he was told last season in pre-season he turned up and he was told that you know it was best for him to go and go out on loan um unfortunately the club he went to got relegated and you know he's now newcastle's sort of um player again so you've got him coming back but i, I would expect they'll try and do some trading with, with him and try and get him to another club. Lejeune, a very interesting one, obviously very popular with the fans. Um, and another player that was in Spain last season, would you say would be a guaranteed starter under Steve Bruce? Probably not, because he's he's got his he's got his sort of three centre backs, if you like, in Clark, Lascelles and and Fernandez. So I think it would be hard for him to to break in, but you never know. Some players Turn up on day one of pre-season and just blow everybody away. It's happened before. Um, and, you know, suddenly they they become a shock starter in, in your first Premier League eleven. So let, let's just wait and see. On to then the takeover story yesterday that Mike Ashley had drawn encouragement from the Premier League's decision not to call for Saudi Arabia to be kept on the American government's piracy watch list. And, that obviously sparked a wave of optimism through the, the Newcastle fan base, especially on, on social media. What's your take on that, Lee? Yeah, well, all the confidence is coming from the Mike Ashley side of it. We, do, we don't, we've never traditionally got uh, loads of information from that side, but we, we are getting a bit now. And that is the, the message we're getting is Mike Ashley is very confident that this, this can go through. Now, whether that whether he's seen something that we haven't seen on the on the court papers before the the, the deal the the legal fight begins, we don't know whether he's using it as a ploy to build up some pressure on the Premier League. We don't know. We'll just have to wait and see how the the whole situation pans out. But realistically, what the message he sends to me is that he is desperately pushing and trying every trick in the book to get this takeover done and dusted and. Um, if it goes through, then it's going to be a, 
huge relief. If it doesn't, then you know we're, we're back to the situation we're in. Not not much money, and the club being up for sale with uh, another buyer then needed to to be found. So it's uh, it, yeah, we'll just have to wait and see. But it's it would be it would be agonising if after all this it didn't go through. But um, yeah, I don't I don't know much what what more I can say on that at the moment. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, do you think it's a, is it a gamble for Mike Ashley to be literally putting all his eggs in one basket with this? I mean, he's clearly keen to, well, he's more than keen to get the deal done. And like you say, though, if, if, if it doesn't go through, then we are back to square one. We probably have another six months a year with Ashley trying to find the right buyer. And, and, you know, he's obviously kind of closed the door on that for the last year while he's been trying to push this through. Um, is it a bit of a gamble? Do you think he's just he's just that confident that he's, in his mind, he just sees this. This is this is going to happen. Well, that's what Mike Ashley does. He is, he does gamble. You know what I mean? He does gamble in business, and he's gambled at Newcastle United before. Um, when they've been in relegation fights, he's he's gone for a big name manager to try and you know resolve it. So it's it's in his nature to gamble, and uh, this is uh, another one of those situations. Uh, but the reality is, I mean, what you, what what also you have to say is that. Last April, he believed he had a deal done. He signed the paperwork. He agreed a price. He agreed a buyer. He said, "There you go. Off you go to the Premier League. Get the paperwork pushed through." You know, it was. It's not speculation. It's 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 fact that he nearly sold the club last last April. It's a Premier League who uh, didn't process that deal because for reasons you know beyond us at the moment, they wouldn't accept it or reject it. We're going to find out why they wouldn't accept it or reject it in, in these two sort of court battles, which will slowly drag on over June and July. So let's see. Let's see what the outcome of them is, and uh, we'll, we'll go from there. I think on the Premier League, obviously, with the takeover, there was lots of speculation from from some fans of a top six bias and how much influence they had. The man Stavely, she well, she more than hinted at it. We then had yesterday Lee, the the punishment um, on those. Big six um, about the the Super League proposals, you know. Find in my opinion, you know, was it a collective twenty two million pounds, which was what about three and a half million pound each? I mean, to me, that's that is that's not even a slap on the hand. It's 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 like a little tickle, really, for what they did bringing the game into disrepute. And I suppose, in many ways, to some fans, that'll just accelerate the narrative that there is this bias towards the big six because that really. To many, isn't isn't that much of a punishment? Yeah, I mean, I think um, for me, it, it was weak. It was very weak, and points deduction, you know, should have been the the way forward. I guess they probably looked at that and thought it's, it's going to be too much hassle for them because they then have to recalculate the league table, European places, things like that, and. They obviously just didn't have the the sort of um, the bottle to to go through with it, and but unfortunately, as I say, you get a slap on the wrist and a future warning. But look, that's um, that that's one of them things now. And Newcastle, as a club, with the rest of them, have got a, you know hope that the future is brighter for them, and that if there is a takeover opportunity for them, then they can you know look and try and you know get into that business end of the table because it's it's been done before that's a frustrating thing someone in, in 
of my generation and, and others know that the potential in Newcastle United is there to, to break into the top six if it's looked after properly, if it's if the the right amount of money is put on the table. So, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll see what happens in the future on that. On to the Euros then, Lee. Just to, to wrap up, you were down at the reverse side last week to take in both of the England warm-up games. You saw Graham Jones on the, on the touchline. You know, great, great uh 2021 for him, you know, coming to his home club town, um, getting some plaudits for the way the season finished and then getting picked by England to join the coach and staff. We'll start on on Jones. What did you, you see from him, you know, in terms of England and how he was working with with Southgate? Yeah, I mean, he, I mean, he's just come in at the England scene, so he was really taking a bit of a, um, Bit of a backseat. I mean, obviously they've been taking training sessions, but on a match day, you didn't you didn't see him barking out any orders on the touchline or anything like that because he was very much, you know, a, a watch and brief. And at one stage in the game against Romania, he spent twenty minutes watching in the stands, which he's done in Newcastle as well. But it's great. It's great for Grim Jones. It's a great story that he's you know come from the lower leagues and. He's ended up being a Newcastle coach, which is a dream come true for him. And now to <clears throat> to have that three lions crest on his chest um, for this tournament is, you've got to say that's magnificent and uh, well done to him. It's I'm sure everyone will be wishing him all the best going into Euros and seeing how far England can can do in, in what is it's a dangerous group. That that's my verdict on on that. You know. Uh, Croatia, we know what, how good they are. Um, Scotland, a team that it's, it's it's very much a banana skin game for England because they will be absolutely desperate to win at Wembley. And then you've got the Czech Republic, who England should be. I've seen Czech Republic in some of the warm-up games, not too strong. So, um, yeah, let, let's see. I think the Scotland game is going to be pivotal. It's certainly going to be one to watch, isn't it? Did you see anything in those two warm-up games at the Versailles which give you... You, you some hope. I mean, I know England are second favourites by most boogies. Uh, did you see? Did you see that kind of reflected in in those two games? I know he didn't play um, his strongest his strongest teams, and we don't didn't really play the first team, did he? That that much in terms of the players. But did you see anything in those two games? Not really. If I'm being totally honest, um, if I was hanging my hat on anything, it would wouldn't be from them two games. Uh, I think. You know, the second game was very much a scratch to scratch side, and I mean, for me, the big the big talking point was that James Ward-Prowse wasn't included in the squad. I thought he was exceptional in that Romania game. He was the the highlight for me, um, and I don't know who's gonna be able to deliver a ball in the box quite like him from a set piece. I know they've got some good players, but he was certainly a player I would would have taken. I was surprised that. Uh, ben White was the one who got the nod in the end, but at the end of the day, it's England. Um, we'll see what happens. They, they, they may build up some momentum in the tournament. That Croatia game is going to be very interesting. I can see that being a draw. Then it'll boil down that Scotland game, whether there's a shock or not, and then we'll see what happens. I mean, if England did end up finishing third in the group, I think the uh, the last 16 game would be at um, Hamden Park. Which would be very interesting. Which could be against someone like, could, could be against someone like Spain. So, 
you know, I know they've had problems with COVID. So, but it's exciting. I'm, I'm like any fan at the moment. I'm uh, looking through all the preview guides and watching all the preview shows. And uh, yeah, I mean, obviously, I hope England do well, but we'll we'll, we'll see. And just to, to finish off, then Leon coming up on the. The website, Conic Live, 10 a.m. You've got a, a nice little chat with uh, Rule Fox. Just just tell our listeners and our viewers um, what he's up to these days and what he was like to, to have a chat with. Yeah, I mean, it's a nice um, sort of lengthy piece. It's actually ended up being a two-part article. Um, first first half's going out this morning. Uh, Rule Fox, for me, was a player that I really enjoyed watching when he was in Newcastle. He was only here two years um, but he, he understood the area and, you know, he, he forged a great relationship uh, with people like Andy Cole, Peter Beardsley, Rob Lee. Uh, he was, for me, he is one of the original entertainers. And, you know, it was unfortunate that uh, he got sold uh, to Spurs, but it was to bring other players to the <clears throat> to the squad. And, um you know, he's talking about his life, really, and it's it's a nice life story that, you know, what it was like at Newcastle during that sort of halcyon sort of days. <clears throat> but now, you know, he, he's very much a normal guy in terms of he runs his boot camps down in Ipswich and he, you know, he's been working with people who've got mental health sort of issues, Um and he's been doing a big part with the NHS down there. So it's great that he's found that. But he, he just talks generally about the mental health side of it for footballers. When, when they leave leave the game, there's a big void. And, you know, it's one that has to be filled. And uh, he's, he's certainly, you know, ma- making very good use of his time down there. And uh, I think he's going to be a guest at, at the game for Norwich v Newcastle when that, when that fixture gets announced. So... It, yeah, it's, I'm sure people will enjoy the enjoy the piece. Brilliant stuff. Like we say, guys, you can head over to Chronicle Live to see part one of that at 10 a.m. this morning, which is Thursday. We do appreciate you guys tuning in. If you're listening later on the podcast, please remember to like and subscribe and enjoy the rest of your week. <laughs>